I Love Mortgage Brokering, episode 89. Want to learn from the top 5% of mortgage brokers in the country? Then you have come to the right place. Join Scott Peckford on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hi, Broker Nation. I am thrilled to introduce my guest today, Sua Trung. Sua is a mortgage broker with Mortgages Lab Financial. He's been a broker for five and a half years. He's an author of a book called Confessions of a Bank Financier. He also puts on training for people, for brokers in how to do commercial deals. He's an absolute expert at this, and I am stoked for this interview today. Sua, are you ready to rock? Yeah, you bet, man. I'm ready to rock and roll. Awesome. So can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your business? Well, my, my business is the same as your business, Scott. Uh, the only thing's difference is uh, when I first came into the business, I, I came from the business side from CIBC. So I'm, well, I was more familiar with the commercial stuff. When For me, residential just didn't make a lot of sense. It was difficult. So for me, it was cutting my teeth, basically doing residential deals. So how did you get into the mortgage business? So no, like, you know, and you do, you seem to be really focused on commercial, but so nobody's a little kid says, when I grew up, I wanted, you know, finance commercial property. So what, what was your path into our industry? Well, originally my path was, uh, it's funny how, how, how I call this, it's my calling. Apparently, you know, over 15 odd years ago, there was a company called Aaron Mortgage Corporation that uh, came into our path and Long story short, uh, I, I trusted a mortgage broker there, and I lost my father's life saving, my life saving, and my friend's money too. And I thought, you know, nobody should be like this. Take advantage of people. That, you know, there's no other mortgage broker that, that should. There should be some mortgage broker out there that is have a, a good heart and help people out in, in their biggest investment, basically. And I said, I me mean, perhaps at that time I thought, why not me? Right. So over the over the years, I somehow made my way through all the different uh, industry, but uh, I came back through financial services and here I am today as a mortgage broker. And you said you had lost some money. So how did you mind sharing how you, the way that you were treated or the advice you were given that lost you money? Well, you know, it, it all sounded great because when, when you don't have the knowledge, uh, there's a philosopher that, that's, that has a saying that people who don't know, they don't have the proper knowledge, they, they basically lose out. So, and the people who do know, uh, so people who don't know how, about information, they end up losing and paying for it. And people who do know the information, they take advantage of it. And I believe that that's what happened. The, the guy was a, was a pres, vice president of the company, and I trusted him that he knew what he was doing. And he said that we can take the money, invest into mortgage-backed securities, and invest into business that couldn't, couldn't be financed part of the bank. And we made some money, but eventually, you know, it was a Ponzi scheme. Right. Millions of dollars were lost across Canada. Wow. Yeah, that's never any fun. So before we dive into your story, I always like to ask about a success quote. I love how quotes are portable, they're memorable, and if you use them to keep, they can help you stay on track. So can you share a quote that's really had an impact on your life or business? <laughs> well, there, there's always a quote. Uh, in, every, in every business that I've had, uh, you eventually face some, some kind of failure. So I've always said, I don't see failure as failure, but as, as a sign that I need to change, make a change in my course of direction. So failure is a sign to make a change. So can you share how you've used, applied that to your life or business recently? Well, in, in the residential mortgage, when uh, I started, it was difficult for me because all the lending guidelines changed over the years, and it was aggravating. Fine, not not say the least. I'm sure you're familiar with it, that I have to try to figure out how to get these clients approved. And in my community, a lot of the clients in the Vietnamese community are not A clients, and I find it was I'm banging myself against a wall. I'm, I'm literally going to fail in this business if I don't make money. So I took that as, as, as a sign that, you know what, I may have to make a little bit of course change. 
maybe go back to what I was doing, go back to the bank or maybe do something similar. And that's how I, I travel into the commercial side from that point onward. So how long ago was that? That was probably my second year as a mortgage broker. And, and then, so currently, what percentage of your business would you say is commercial versus residential? Well, I, I do a lot of work on the residential, but 80% of my income comes from commercial. A couple things I want to ask you about that on the commercial side. So you put on training for mortgage brokers. To, so what, is, what does that look like? What do you do to, to help? I know that I've seen you on the Facebook group and you like to share, you know, everybody should be great at commercial. And, uh, and I, I'm like, <laughs> you know what? I, I'm, glad that, I'm glad you're so excited about it, but I have no interest in it. Like I just, so I would rather refer it to somebody who's good. So tell me about the training that you've done in the past for people. Well, if you want to know, you go, go to my website. It's called sharingbanksecrets.com mm -hmm. forward slash bootcamp. And you get to see an uh, overall overview of what the, the course is all about. But it, the course is basically, I, I help people understand the differences, the nuances, the difference between residential and commercial, and the myths that actually people don't understand. There's a lot of myth about commercial financing and how to finance these properties. I was actually able to finance even residential property on a commercial side. I'll give you an example. Good. I was going to tell you to share me a myth. <laughs> a myth? A myth is this. It, it has to be a commercial property to be financed on commercial side. That's a myth. Really? really? I would have. I, I did not know that. So 10 years? No clue. Okay, tell me the story. What's the so, scoop on this? So I had, I had a broker that had uh, both real estate license and broker came to me and said, look, so the, bro the client is with TD, and we went to Broker Channel TD said, no. It's a recreational property. It's a residential. We understand. It's a Harrison Spring. We, we're not interested. And, and the accountant that is the client is, has really bad finances. I looked at it, I said, yeah, no, this is not going to work. You, they went to the branch, the branch said no as well. So I said, well, mm -hmm. you know what, the left-hand side doesn't speak to the right-hand side. Were you aware that TD had two different sides? Or three for that matter, for us broker channels, right? They said, mm -hmm. no, well, I, if you really want TD, I'll get it approved at TD. Because I look at the numbers, it looks fine, the rent's fine. I got it approved at TD commercial side at a very similar rate as a residential. Almost identical, I'll say. Okay, okay. So, what are the what are the rates like right now on a typical commercial deal? If it, if it, I know that I know that's a tough question to ask. Like, what's your rate? So, I, I'm doing to you what customers do to us. And we're like, I have no idea. Like, what do you qualify for? But give me a range. If it's a residential property, I can get a residential pricing. But if it's a commercial property itself, then it has to be commercial pricing, and that varies with risk and type of property. But the recent one that I did was, generally speaking, it's usually about half a percent to one and a half percent higher than residential pricing. But the recent one I did was uh, $3.4 million, I did at 3%. And is there fees in that? Of course. The lender has a fee, and my fee is on top of it as well. Okay, so that's just a different animal. It is. All right, well, hey, it's good to know. I, I, I wouldn't even have, that would have been like, nope, this is a no-go, so that's good to anybody listening. Give me another myth, because since we're on the myth topic, I'm going to ask you about your book in a minute, but tell me about another myth that people would have about commercial. Well, the myth is that it's a lot of work and it's complicated. Meaning, if I buy a commercial property, it's a lot of work. So the last, uh, the last real estate investment uh, club I was a keynote speaker of, uh, I, I compared a warehouse, a strata warehouse versus uh, a townhouse strata. Both similar price range. And I said, which one of these would you rather have? Everybody says townhouse because it's easy to do, easy to understand. They understand residential, right? Mm -hmm. Most investors know that. But I said, well, I had the same similar situation with my client. But when he came to me, uh, he, he, had, he had really bad finances, no money last year, no money the year before really, so he can't qualify anything. You can't buy a townhouse when you can't qualify. Mm -hmm. So I told him, why don't you consider getting a, a, a caretaker suite warehouse, you can live in it, and you can rent out the, the bottom half, just like when you were renting a house. 
The only difference is that on the commercial side, you can, you can increase the rent every year for five years. And people sign you know, three to five year long-term leases, whereas residential side, one year. Mm-hmm. Right? So is it a lot more work? I think the opposite. Right? So on a commercial, when they sign a lease, anything that happens inside the property, they take care of. You know that 3 a.m. Uh, phone call with a toilet leak? That doesn't happen on a commercial side. So when you're comparing how much work you can actually get involved in doing, is actually very little on the commercial side. Right. Right. On the residential, oh my God, they call me at one in the morning. I gotta go fix a toilet. Right. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. Right. No, I didn't know that either. Wow. This is like you're putting on a clinic right now. It's for ah. for me. <laughs> so now tell me about your book. So you you wrote a book called Confessions of a Bank Financier. So what was the goal or the purpose of the book? Well, the, the purpose of the book is twofold. One is, you know, when you have clients Alzheimer's, when the, you meet with them and say, man, I, I, I wish you guys knew about this stuff, or, yeah, how, how credit works and all that stuff. They said, well, nobody told us. Mm-hmm. I said, don't you go to the library? Well, what do you look for if you don't know? Mm-hmm. So I thought about it. I said, you know what? Maybe people should know about this. So I've been, uh, when, when, I, when I meet a client that, that are like brand new and I don't know whether they're for me or not and if they have some kind of financial situation, I said, you know what, here's a book. It's better than giving a, a business card, I call it, because here's, here's why. When somebody gives you a business card, how often do you even look at a business card? How often do you even call that person back? Mm-hmm. You might be different, but the majority of people never call people back on the business card. No, I don't even, yeah, no, I'm not a business card right. person either. So what do you do with the business card? Oh, you throw it away. Recycle it. In the garbage. Yeah. When's the last time somebody gave you a book and you threw it in the garbage? Yeah, never. And it's put on the shelf, and eventually you see it. Eventually somebody will see it. Someone in your family, your friends, whoever, mm-hmm. right? So that, that's my business card, by the way, Scott. Yeah, I wrote a book a couple years ago called How to Rob Your Bank, and that's what I use it for. I, I give it to clients, <laughs> and uh, it, it's exactly that. It's a, it's a business card. It's a marketing. I'm never going to be able to retire from, it, from yeah. selling books. It's not like I'm John Grisham or something. So, uh, But it yeah. does work as a wonderful uh, business card, and I've gotten business from you know, books that I hand out. And, um, so how what was the time frame that it took you to write the book? So anybody out there who's thinking, Hey man, I should write a book. Like anybody who, you know, anybody could write a book. It's not like you have to have a special skill. You just need to be disciplined and do it. So when, how long did it take you to write this book? I was told by my, by my book architect who was helping me with edit and all the stuff that it can take up to five weeks. Well, it took me 14 months. <laughs> For, and, and, uh, and so do you give out like, do you actually have like a physical copy or is it just an e-copy? It's a physical copy. Yeah, that's what I have too. There's something about yeah. a paper, like it's in your hands and it's, it versus like an e-book seems just a little less valuable than a, a yeah, rarely people open the e-books and then when they forget about it, where, where do you find it? Yeah, yeah, you don't, but there's a book sits on a shelf and um, yeah. that's good. And so the, the other thing we were talking about before we got on the air, you had said that you you have got a lot of business from an unconventional place. So do you mind sharing where you where you get a bunch of your business from? <laughs> well, I, I it's all about positioning, right? In, in, in our market, we have to find a niche. So my positioning has been with the bank. Because I, I totally understand that if we are, if they're A-lenders, chances are they're not going to get all the business. They can't do everything that comes their way. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've always approached a lot of the branch manager and the senior account manager, how I can help them as a bandage solution. So my, my thing has always been creating ambassadors. So I don't view my competition as competitors, but as an opportunity to create ambassadors. Mm-hmm. So example, uh, actually nearly every lender in the lower mainland has referred me business. Mm-hmm. 
TD, Post Capital, Scotia, RBC, BMO, you name it. The reason why is that I've been in the business. I've been at CIBC before, and I know that we can't help all the, all the clients A, B, and C. There's no such thing as B and C at the at, even at CIBC. Yeah, there's some state there there's, they can sneak away with, but overall, if they have an existing business client that are doing poorly for several years in a row, they, they don't like them to be on the book any longer. Then usually ask them nicely to leave. Mm -hmm. So instead of losing face and losing client and pulling all the accounts out and you know their friends friends hear about it they have potential to have a lot more as a fallout if they lose one of that client, mm -hmm. right? So I position myself and say, you know what? Instead of kicking them out like that, introduce me and say, I'll be the, I'm part of your team and I'll help them during the rough transition and then help them with the accounting in a year end so that everything looks nice and rosy again. Like the, like the current client that I just helped out with TD. They, they were losing money three years in a row and when I got call uh, call in to help to to see if I can help them, as I looked at the, the financials, yeah, yeah, they look really bad. But however, the guy has a contract, physical contract. They need six figure in loan so that they can get the big project. So that at the end of the year, their numbers will look really, really good. Right. So that's when I came in. I said, you know what? I I I got private money. I got people's trust, equity trust, or even Blue Shore. There there be lenders out there that be able to give them a temporary loan for six months, a year, two years. Mm -hmm. By that time, their, their accounting, the numbers of financial looks much stronger. So I can send them back to TD, and TD is like, wow, new account again. Right. right? And they, they love it. I, that's such a great example of how to build your business. So, yeah, that, I love it. I've just recently listened to a, this guy, and I, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but maybe I'll put it in the show notes. But he talked about one of the things you have to do is you have to identify a problem, which what you've done. You need to share a solution, which you've done. You've said, hey, look, we'll solve it. For and then you need to deal with the objections, which in this case is, so what, am I never going to see this customer again? Or what's the... And so you, exactly. yeah. you've dealt with all of those things in literally in sequential order. And it's a great framework for thinking about how you communicate to people. So I think it's, I can see why you're more part of the reason why you're having such good success with it. So another area that I think like obviously systems and processes. So like when you're working on commercial files, do you work on lots of them? Are there fewer, but they're bigger? Like what's that look like? Yeah, they're fewer, but bigger, like two to three million, two to three million. And my fee has always been because I, I have a value proposition and I always show them I give them two choice I say either I charge them a one and a half percent fee on the loan amount or the money that I save you I get to keep they usually don't like the money that I save them because it's a lot more than than my one half percent right oh that's really good that's and so has anybody said give me the savings yeah no <laughs> my last client I showed them how I saved them one hundred twenty thousand dollars from the other broker at Blue Shore they look at that 120,000 I charge them 45 grand. They say, "Wow, you have a choice. Either pay me the 45 or the 120, it's up to you." Yeah, wow. And they that's such a great like uh it changes the anchor point in the whole this discussion, right? So it's kind of like when you see on late night I know you're not doing the late night TV thing, but they'd be like, <laughs> "Oh, it's, you know, it looks like it's 49, but wait, call now and it's only 29.99." And so by, by showing them the $120,000 in savings before you communicate the you know that your fee is 45 grand which might seem like a lot but it seems like a deal compared to 120 yeah business owners understand it yeah it's not not like uh yeah it's totally different ball game right yeah and no rate shoppers by the way mm -hmm. because they're looking for solutions that yeah. their priority is solution uh obviously yeah and, and reading those uh contracts that the banks have for for commercial is that even it requires a little bit of a work 
residential is pretty straightforward, but commercial they can hide stuff in there. Right, because they're unique and they build them like it's not like they're like a residential mortgage is the same for you as it is for me if it's from the bank. But yeah, do the commercial mortgages do they they can put in different stuff, right? Oh yeah, I mean they get they get away with it too. Like uh, CIBC did a similar one, and it's collateral charge on a commercial. It's like, uh, you guys know what this means? Clients have no idea. Right, that's pretty awesome. And so now I want to ask you about sort of marketing. So how have you been marketing yourself? Like how are you finding business? You've been doing this for five years. There's obviously a, Vancouver's a massive market. So how are you connecting with people? Well, I've always been a a fan of. Finding your niche, you know, they say the, the Americans love it. Get rich in your niche, right? Right. And and that's where I see it. For me, I see the Vietnamese community as business owners. There are a ton of business owners. How many restaurants, how many nail salon, and so on and so forth do you see them? Mechanic shops, everything from every industry. They're, they're involved in landscaping and all that. They're pro-business. And I just, and my language skill in the Vietnamese community is good enough to be able to uh, suffice. Mm-hmm. So I target them specifically at the beginning to grow my business. But when I, I see that there's a, there's a certain threshold that they can afford, so I didn't like that. I said, I want to make bigger money, so I have to spread myself in even wider, wider by going out there and to help other brokers, for example. That's why I go into teaching, mm-hmm. and as well as being the center of influence. I, you know, I, I keep volunteering for different, different uh, clubs and different meetups, and eventually I, I got asked to take over the reign of the, the Synergy Real Estate Investment Network. There's over 520 members now. And how often do you guys meet? We meet once a month. And that's in Vancouver. How many people typically come out to a meeting? There's probably about 40 to 50 people come at any given time. Yeah. See, you've got a lot of good things going on between your book and your the fact that you have a niche. And then now you have like a, a, a network or a community that you're building. So I have no doubt in five years, you're going to be like massive. You probably won't even take my call in five years. So you'll be like, oh, listen, <laughs> I'm so like, I'm so important now that I, I can't return your call. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, I'll, I'll always remember, Scott. I always love watching and hearing the other podcasts. I always. Okay, good. Make sure you return my calls when you're like, you know, driving around in a Bentley or something in Vancouver. It'd be, it'd be one of those new Tesla, you can, and you can take the drive as well. Yeah, oh, nice, the new Tesla. So I'm going to move to some rapid-fire questions. So what, are, what is one thing you think holding back most mortgage brokers from being successful? Goya, get off your ass and meet somebody. Goya, get off. that's good. And what one thing or habit has made you successful? I, I always look at it and say, make each day count. So if I do something, at least if it's moving 1% close to my goal, I've done something worthwhile that day. I didn't waste it. Right, that's good. And then do you have like an internet resource or a software or anything that you use to make your business run better? For commercial, I use what uh, one of my uh, colleagues uses. It's called Trello. And it's, it's great for to-do lists. That just expands and you can fill in stuff. It's like a CRM program, but it's free. So anybody interested, just go to trello.com. It's a great program. Right. That's awesome. So where do you think the industry's headed? Where's the opportunity? It's huge. It's massive. I mean, you think of residential is huge? Look at the commercial side. Billions and billions of dollars. We're talking about portfolios or portfolios of exchanging hands, 20, 30, couple hundred million dollars at a time. Imagine getting a 1% of that fee. Right. Yeah, that's massive. Massive. So, yeah, you're, you've almost convinced me. I love the residential side, though, so I can't, I don't think I'll leave. <laughs> but you've, you've, our conversation has almost convinced me that, hey, you know what, maybe the commercial, but I, I, I can't do it. I'm, you can always set a team, Scott. Residential, yes. you can train them. Commercial is really tough to train. Yes, that's true. The last question, the DeLorean question. Remember the movie Back to the Future? Yeah. 
So in there's that car you can travel in time. So if you could jump in that car and go back five and a half years to when you started, and you could give yourself three pieces of advice so that you'd be big, you'd have a bigger, better business. What three things would you tell yourself? Oh, become an early contributor. Anywhere you go to any kind of big events, find a way to contribute. Be a volunteer or something. Get in front of people, because when I was in in front of uh, the real estate club, I was just a door guy holding the door open. They thought I was part of the organization. Right. Right. Okay, what's the next thing you'd say? I'd say find a core value so that you're not a jack of all trade. Find out what you really love to do and do it best. At the beginning, I was a jack of all trade. I want to help out with finance. I want to help out with you know, insurances and all this stuff that really distracting. You know, the Pareto rules is 80-20. Just focus mm-hmm. on one thing you're good at and do great at it, like what you're doing, Scott. And then what's the last thing you'd say? <laughs> Set long-term goals. If I never set the long-term goal, it sounds hokey, but if people who don't set a goal, they'll hit it too, which is nothing. Right. <laughs> it's totally true. Right. So set a goal. You may not hit it. You know, at the beginning of the year, I set for 250000 Well, I hit it. And then I go, now what? Mm-hmm. You got a rest of the year left, but I didn't have any other goals. So my next goal is hitting a million dollar a year. If, you don't, if I don't hit a million dollar a year, you know what? I'll set up for 500 yeah, exactly. You'll you'll survive, right? Yeah, I'll survive. I'll be like, oh, my kids will. Your kid, do you have kids or family? Yeah, got a twelve-year-old and a six-year-old. Right. So your kids will still eat. It's all good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, this has been lots of fun. I've I've learned a ton about commercial, which I I know admittedly know very little about. Anybody listening, you can get links to everything that we talked about, as well as to Sua. And where can people find you online? Sharingbanksecrets.com sharingbanksecrets.com. Thanks so much, man, and I hope you continue to crush it. I will, and hope everybody does the same thing.